0: Welcome to the Long Covid podcast with me, Jackie Baxter. I am really excited to bring you today's episode. Please do check out the links in the show notes where you can find the podcast website, social media and support group, as well as a link to buy me a coffee if you are able. You should not rely on any medical information contained in this podcast and related materials in making medical health related or other decisions. Please do consult a doctor or other health professional. I love to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions or feedback or just want to say hey, then please do get in touch. I really hope you enjoy this episode, so here we go. So this is hopefully... A relatively short episode where i thought i'd do a bit of a recap of the last six months or so for me because i feel like i've learned quite a lot in this time but also as we approach the end of the year it does often tend to be a time for reflection and i can hardly believe that we're nearly done with 2022 i'm not even sure how that happened so I guess as always it's worth me saying I'm not a medical professional I am just sharing what has helped me and it is absolutely not advice so please do your own research and speak with your own uh, doctors. I also think it's really important to remember that everyone's experience is going to be different so what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. My symptoms might look different to yours. My experiences, what I've worked through, what has helped me. So when we're taking ideas from other people for things to try, I think that's really important to remember. But also that everyone's journey is different. And also that looking at someone else and saying, well, why are they recovering and I'm not? What have they got that I haven't? I see recovery stories and I say, well, why have they recovered now and I'm still not there? And I think that's really unhelpful, as natural as it is and as much as I do it often. So I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say here, but I think trying not to judge ourselves too much and not to judge others too much and not to try to compare things too much, maybe... I'll maybe start with the thing that's probably helped me the most, which has to be the cold water swimming. You know, there's a lot of evidence behind this being beneficial for all types of symptoms and illnesses. The cold water will reduce inflammation, it will help to regulate our autonomic nervous systems, it can provide pain relief, and it's hugely beneficial for mental health too, and i'm not here to sound like an advert for tourism in scotland um and i do appreciate that i am lucky to live in a part of the world where i have easy access to places where i can swim but loch ness has definitely become my happy place if i'm physically able to get there which isn't all the time um but if i am then getting in the water will always make me feel better even if it's just a short dunk It's absolutely amazing. I started getting in the cold water back at the end of March this year. And my first, uh, I would say, quote unquote swim was about a minute long, probably actually fully in the water for like, you know, a few seconds. Um, But since then, I've been more confident and more comfortable And during the summer I was actually able to stay in for maybe as long as 30 minutes on some days. But obviously now the temperatures are dropping quite drastically. Um, I'm still going and hoping to continue through the winter, but I'm staying in a lot less time now. So um, I know it won't work for everybody, but it has been huge for me. It clears my head. It just clears all the other stuff away. And it just gives me an energy boost. Unfortunately the energy boost doesn't last but you know energy for a bit is better than none at all. Part of me wished I'd started doing this sooner but I also think it maybe had to happen in its own time. I also needed to work on my breathing first because if I'd started before I'd sorted my breathing I would have hyperventilated and uh that wouldn't have been a very good idea when you're going into water, obviously. Um, so that needed to happen first. Um, after speaking to Adrian and Leanne when I recorded episode 49, I was inspired to join a local wild swimming group. And these are wonderful people who sometimes provide company. I think I often forget how isolated I've become. It's almost like I would normalised it and being able to have a few new friends that I could socialise with but in a way that felt safe for me was important. They didn't know me before Covid so they don't compare me now to how I was before. They don't judge me when I'm completely unreliable. They all have their own reasons for wanting to swim and it's been really wonderful. So moving away from things that make me freezing. um, I've been seeing a counsellor for around a year now and I was kind of resistant to this initially but she's been absolutely amazing. Partly she is someone who is literally paid to deal with my shit so it takes the pressure off my partner a bit but she's also been helpful at questioning me and helping me to look at things in different ways sometimes helping me to see things more clearly or even helping me to find a way through the maze of fog that my world often seems to be now. She drives me crazy, which I see as a good thing, and I'd imagine that I drive her nuts as well. Taking a quick diversion back to the podcast for a moment, I've immensely enjoyed every single interview I've done for the podcast Every single person who has been kind enough to give up their time and be a guest has taught me something, but obviously there are some episodes uh, that for whatever reason made an even bigger impact on me, and one of those was Dr Boone Lim. He had many, many useful tips which I put into practice, but a few other things really stuck with me, and one of those things was the idea of forgiveness. Now bear with me i have definitely felt like i wanted to blame someone for the situation i find myself in anybody would do government schools public health doctors my partner and probably most of all myself i wanted to channel my anger into blaming somebody else and i think that's completely understandable right i'm sure many others feel the same maybe you do but what dr boone Lim made me realize was that maybe it was understandable but it certainly wasn't helpful. All this anger boiling around inside me was triggering and it was making me feel worse. So now I try to embody him and be more forgiving. Forgiving of a doctor who can't help, or a family member who says something unhelpful, or whatever. I can promise you that I don't manage it all the time, but it is getting easier and I think it's helping. In fact there are quite a few things I've heard from different people that have really resonated with me and they get stuck on a post-it note as a reminder. So I've got a really colourful wall in front of me. It does help. So what else have I tried? Um, Vedicinals. I took advantage of their offer earlier in the year and gave it a go. I've done a blog post detailing my experiences with this, so I'm not going to ramble here, uh, but I will put a link to it in the show notes. Long story short, nothing spectacular, but it did help clean my gut out a load, which I think was a good thing. So then I went down another rabbit hole. Now anyone who knows me or has listened to me before will know that I crave answers. I have to know why. I literally can't stop thinking and searching until I know something. And this is definitely a good thing in some ways, but I think there is also a not so good side to it. So someone mentioned food intolerances and that you can test for them. Oh, but I don't react badly to foods, I said. I was told that I might not realise. Anyway, it was an opportunity for answers, so why wouldn't I? So I sent off my sample and I waited I'll drop a link to the test I did in the show notes, although I think it will probably only work if you're in the UK, but just if anyone is interested. So I was so surprised to get my results, which told me I had a lot of intolerances. So I began my diet of cutting out cow's milk, eggs, wheat, and a few other things that were particularly annoying. The first few weeks were torture. I felt awful. I hated soya. I couldn't have easy meals. Everything had to be cooked from scratch. But it did get easier. And eventually my 12 weeks were up. Did I feel any different? No, not really. Um, Of course, it's hard to tell with the roller coaster of long COVID symptoms. Perhaps my gut felt very slightly better, but nothing really noticeable. So I thought, fabulous, let's have a nice cup of tea with milk, because that was one of the things I had missed the most, which is horribly British. But, oh my goodness, the carnage that that milk caused, unlike anything I'd ever felt. Had I made things worse by searching for answers, or maybe I had just gone in a bit too hard and fast, the jury is still out on that one. Part of me is kicking myself for putting myself through this, but on the other hand, what if it had helped? How could I not try it? Something else I've found useful is trying to find things that bring me joy. So back in May, I realised that although I might be feeling very slightly better, It was because I wasn't doing anything. I was existing. There was nothing that brought me joy. I was so overwhelmed by all these things I was supposed to be doing because they were good for me. And they were good for me. They were helping. But at the expense of anything fun, I was putting in the work, but it felt like I didn't really have anything to live for. So one day I said, sod it. I'm going for a slightly longer walk to a nice place and I don't care. Obviously, it was a day where I was feeling semi-reasonable. If it had been a sofa day, then I wouldn't have been in a position to say bollocks to long COVID and get outside. But I did. And it was wonderful. And you know what? I felt okay. I managed it. It wasn't a long walk like I'd have done before COVID, nowhere near, but a longer walk than I would have thought I could do. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting this is a good idea. Um, of course, we need to be mindful of pacing and pushing through symptoms. We know that's not a good idea. And movement and exercise in recovery has to be managed super carefully and it will differ so much from person to person. Sensible movement for some people might be stretches in bed. For others, a short walk or a cycle. It's going to be totally personal. But there was something about knowing that on some days when I felt semi-reasonable, I could do some things some of the time. It didn't mean I was better. It didn't mean everything was okay. But it was kind of a little chink of daylight. And I'm also not saying that our symptoms are caused by worry or anxiety because they're not. We know that. But worry and fear and lots of other emotions can make things worse. So if I stop worrying my symptoms aren't going to automatically disappear because that would be wonderful, right? But I am trying to recognise where I am worrying about things and exacerbating the other stuff. And that brings me onto my symptom escalation plan, which sounds completely ridiculous, doesn't it? But I have found it useful. We're all probably getting better at recognising triggers. I know I am. And I know that the first thing for me I'll probably notice is my breathing. And if that starts feeling like it's not right, then that's when I need to go for the symptom escalation plan, which is a list of things that I know will help me feel better. Some regulation exercises that I've learned, trying to focus on deep breathing, yoga nidra, a hot chocolate, my weighted blanket, humming, terrible 80s tunes, don't judge me. All of these things help me. Some of them might work for you or maybe you have your own list. My list is stuck on my wall next to my post-its so if I notice things starting to not feel so good then I try to tap into my list. It's ready and waiting so I don't have to think too hard and often, definitely not always, but often it can stop a bad hour turning into a bad day or a bad day into a bad week. Sometimes it's anything that can help, right? I also know coming out of an absolutely appallingly awful week that sometimes it's so bad that none of these things help that we just need to maybe let our body shut down and go into hibernation in order to protect us from whatever is attacking it it's frustrating and horrible but sort of riding it out as best as we can is sometimes all that we can do And certainly for me, when that does happen, I want to pile all of the blame and the frustration on top of myself. And again, that's a very natural thing to do, I think. But again, it's not helpful. And I do try not to do that. Emphasis on try. (laughs) Going back to Boone Lim, something else he talked about was beliefs. I very much think that we have to believe that we'll get better. Dr Bagnell said recently and I paraphrase we believe that we can get better until proved otherwise. If we don't believe then we stop trying. We stop doing the things that do help. We stop exploring. I lose hope often. Something that's helpful to me is recovery stories. They are out there. There are several on the podcast. People do recover. I fully plan to until proved otherwise. This experience over the last two and a half years, and counting, has opened my eyes to a lot of things. Some wonderful things, and some terrible things. I've learned some lessons which I'll probably be grateful for one day, but I think it might be a bit too soon at the moment. I've met some truly wonderful people, and I guess this has maybe taught me to try to be open-minded about everything. Why do I believe what I believe? Why am I resistant to trying something? In actual fact, the things that have been the most helpful to me were actually the things that I would have poo-pooed to start with. Dr Boone Lim again. Don't let what you cannot do prevent you from doing what you can. I think we also need to talk about safety. This is a big thing for me. The need to feel safe. And I think this is really important in our recovery. If we don't feel safe, then our bodies are going to stay in fight or flight mode because they sense danger, which makes sense, right? But how are we supposed to feel safe when we are surrounded by so much danger? I'm not even just talking COVID here. Just a quick flick through the news is enough to make us feel a very long way from safe. And sometimes I certainly feel that my brain will catastrophize even worse as well. There's so much bad already. So there'll be more coming and more and more and more, which is not a thing that is going to make us feel safe. I can feel my nervous system getting revved up just talking about it now. And we also have this cause and effect. We know what happened last time. So it'll be just as bad again. Such and such bad thing happened to this other person. So it's going to be just as bad for me. When we've spent a period of time, and I'm looking down the barrel of around 33 months now I think, when we've had this as our reality, it would seem silly to assume that everything is going to be fine if I try to walk a bit further or risk mixing with people or whatever it is. So it's this weird situation where we have to learn from our experiences but also try not to be held back by them. I'll come back to Dr Boon Lim yet again, another poster on my wall don't let your history define who you are today. That one is most definitely still work in progress. It's a challenge. I think this might be where things like vagus nerve exercises and learning techniques to help us calm our nervous systems can be really helpful. But like everything, they take time and effort and patience, not something that we have a whole load of when we aren't feeling safe and when we're feeling ill and frustrated and all those other things that we're feeling. So we end up with this kind of paradox. Something that is designed to help with the feeling of safety, as well as regulating our nervous system, is the Safe and Sound Protocol, or SSP. I'm not gonna talk about this now, really, because it's something I'm still working through, but I can recommend looking it up to see if it's something that might work for you. There's a whole load of really fascinating science behind it, and I'm hoping to do an episode or segment on it in the future, but I'm also happy to answer questions, so feel free to message me. So I think over the last six months, I have seen improvement, which is wonderful. I've also seen some of the darkest days or maybe what have felt like the darkest days. There's something about improvement making you realise how much further you have to go and that can be hard. And also seeing improvement and then hitting a big crash seemingly out of nowhere. That happened to me in July and it was devastating. It completely pulled the rug out from under me and made me doubt everything. So although physically things were improving again after a few weeks, mentally it knocked me back a lot. So we mustn't discount mental health and how important it is. I'm very lucky to have a really supportive partner who may not always do or say the right things, but I do know that he's always there for me. And my counsellor who really doesn't deserve some of the crap I throw at her. So the power of support wherever you get it is so important and never feel bad about reaching out and asking for help. So I think although I have seen improvement physically in the last six months I think that's maybe unmasked a lot of other stuff that I have going on that I also need to work through and I think If I'd recorded this last week, I probably would have said quite a lot of different stuff because it was such an awful week. I mean, that's partly the reason there was no episode last week because I just didn't feel up to doing it and that has to be okay. And it has to be okay for me as well, which it wasn't. I blamed myself and I was really upset. I think we have to acknowledge that there's two sides to it. My physical symptoms aren't all gone by any means but they are improved but as a result of that I've got a huge amount of mental stuff and that's just as important as the physical stuff and it's not that long Covid is psychological because it's not but I think there is a huge mental impact of it that's as a result of the illness it's not causing the illness but it also can feed back in and exacerbate it. When I'm interviewing other people, before finishing the interview, I'll usually ask them if there's anything else they'd like to add or if they've any final bits of advice. So I guess I'll ask myself the same question here. I'm not sure I'm fit to be giving advice, or maybe that's me not knowing my own self-worth again, which is a whole topic I didn't even touch on. But what I do have is... Some experience of this illness from my perspective. So, for my top three things that have helped me number one, breathing. Fixing my breathing pattern initially, then really understanding the power of breath. I've done lots of interviews with wonderful breathing people, and I'd really recommend listening to some of them because they can say it much better than me. Number two, yoga nidra and the power of real deep rest. I thought that reading a book was resting, but it really isn't. I have a brain like a hamster wheel. It goes round and round and round and it never stops. My counsellor once described it as both my greatest strength and my greatest weakness. Yoga Nidra or other guided meditations are about the only thing that allow it to shut down. It wasn't easy. I found the meditations really hard going to begin with, but I stuck with it and they do really help a lot of the time. And number three, I've spoken about it a lot already, cold water. Or even better, cold water, nature and a few friends. Even better if Nessie the Loch Ness Monster comes out to say hi. And I think if I could add a number four, which I can because let's face it, I can say what I want. I would say keep going, believe, don't give up, listen to your body, get well, but do it at your own pace and in your own time, and only you will know what that is. And don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Thank you so much to all of my guests, and to you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, or at least found it useful. The Long Covid Podcast is entirely self-produced and self-funded. I'm doing all of this myself. If you're able to, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash longcovid longcovidpod to help me cover the costs of hosting the podcast, please look out for the next episode of the Long Covid Podcast. It's available on all the usual podcast hosting things, and do get in touch.